Well, the weather outside is wet there. What is it? Frightful? Weather. Remember from Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Is that what it's in? Anyway, welcome back, creeps. Hey, y'all. Merry everyone. Yeah. It is the Yuletide season. Yeah, I hope you're having a merry whatever. Yeah. I can't believe it. Like, this is the most old man thing ever, but I can't believe it's the 10th of December. (laughs) (laughs) I think because now that, uh, like, I work when I'm constantly, like, looking at the the date, like, I have to keep saying it. Yeah. I'm repeating. I'm like, fucking hell, how is it this date already? Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Our patron of the week this week is our good friend Danica. Oh, Danica. I just saw on Instagram that it's her and her other humans anniversary today. Sick. Yeah. Happy anniversary to you guys. Happy anniversary, fellow humans. Yeah. And as you can clearly see, Danica, we are recording this well in advance. So we're definitely on the ball. Balls. Yeah. I don't know. How was your week? What, what, what did we do this week? Man. So like my boss went on vacation and... Work has been ridiculous. It's almost like there's more added pressure because he's gone. Like I have that buffer gone between me and the savage animals. Oh, like now you are the uh, <laughs> you are the go to, the go to gal. Like we are. Yep. Yeah, uh huh. And like I feel more pressure because I should know more because Meh. I've been in it longer. <laughs> I feel like I don't know. Maybe it's just in my head. Maybe. But it's it's good to know that I can fucking survive it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's also good to know that he'll be back. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> when, when, is it, when is the 20th? <laughs> I feel like I didn't do anything really this week. Nothing nothing crazy. Just working away. Got yeah. some nice man tools. Yeah, you Super did. Super excited. And Sent cool... pictures to people and everything. I was like, look what I got. <laughs> yeah, and your cool vegan hoodie. Oh, yeah. I got my... Don't eat the homies hoodie. Yeah. Thanks to Dulce. You're welcome. It was a nice little Christmas surprise. It was so cute. And our Jim Harold's campfire t-shirts. Oh came yeah, those were fucking sick. Yeah, I still haven't seen mine. I put it in the wash and it's I, in I my drawer somewhere. Oh no, no no yeah, I folded it because you yeah. like your shirts folded. I forgot. I do yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, random little interesting fact today. Yes. Uh, one of my calls, one of my customers' name. Mm-hmm. It was Ron Johnson. Just oh. like Ron Johnson from this story that I'm about to tell you. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know if it was the same Ron Johnson. But oh, no, that would be a mind. That would have been fucking creepy. Like, yeah. whoa, like I, that's so crazy. We're talking about <laughs> like, you know, on my the podcast. W- the Wyndham Motel that's was him. the address. And I'd be like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, we're talking about you in, yeah. the po- in our podcast that 10 people listen to. <laughs> have, you, have you got a minute? <laughs> um, no anyway i'm gonna get straight into this because once again it's quite girthy oh no what i was gonna say was thank you to the people who reached out with some uh nice true crime suggestions i am gonna do my very best to get around to butchering some of them this week hmm. for the upcoming episodes hmm. and uh yeah like the ones because i haven't looked into any of them really properly yet Mm-hmm. I just saw like the people giving me the names and I it was all things that I hadn't heard of. So I was like, this is this is nice. Oh, my God. I feel the same way because I, I, nobody reached out to me. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just through the weekly creep Instagram. So. Uh, I, so I was listening to a podcast and it I heard this story like a very like skeleton version of the story. 
and I was enthralled by it. I'd never heard about this story. Um, and I was like, man, it's not the usual, but it's something that I really want to talk about. Like, I really want to dive into it. And yeah. I was like, I'm going to make this an extra creep. Sweet. Yeah. Extra creep you can get on our Patreon. We have been promising more content on Patreon because we have been lagging. But we swear it's coming. Yeah. It is coming. All on your face. <laughs> yeah. And then, but not in your hair because we understand. Yeah, we're considerate like that. We are. Um, What podcast was it? Uh, Office Ladies. Really? Yeah. No way. Yeah. That's where I got my idea for another extra creep that we had already put out. Interesting. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Inspiration so, in the un- most unlikeliest of places. Yeah. Also, I started watching Twin Peaks again. Fucking, I feel like my head, my brain is not big enough for that program. All right. So we left off last week with the family driving back from their nasty, little, or driving back to their nasty little short-term rental place late at night after Stephen, the son, had been in a car crash that caused the death of a 28-year-old man. Oh, yeah. We were talking about that in the car the other day. Yeah. That's right. So... The family at this point were waiting on the exorcist priest, Father A, to come to town. Okay. And, like, to sort out all their problems once and for all. Yeah. Remember, this guy had been talking so much shit about himself on the phone. He was like, yeah, I fucking grabbed this devil by the horns and pulled it right out of this little girl's ass. And they were, like, she's safe. Like, she grew up and now she's a doctor or a priest or something. Oh, like, he was hyping himself up. Yeah, hyping himself up to the max as well as just basically cursing Doretta and the family for being bastards right. under the eyes of God. I remember that her. part, yeah. Yeah. So, the day finally came. Sometime in November 1992, Doretta gets the call and was told, bring the children to the parish house tomorrow afternoon. You can leave your car here and ride in the Jeep with me and Father Jeff. Mm. Actually, it probably didn't sound like that. I feel like I, this is Father John and Father Jeff. Remember, they were like the two nice ones that were yeah. really scared of the house. Yeah. It's probably like, bring the children to the parish house tomorrow afternoon. You can leave your car here and ride in the Jeep with me and Father Jeff. Mm. I like these guys. They sound fun. And <laughs> <laughs> again, they're the two local priests who had initially blessed the house uh, for the family. And were currently acting as a go-between for Father A and Doretta and Ron. Okay. I'm picturing them as just a pair of good time Sally's. Just two bachelors living the life in the parish house. Yeah. Doors off the Jeep, black tank tops and swim shorts, but they still have the little white collars on. Uh, 1950s roommates, if you will. Yes, exactly. John and Jeff. Mm-hmm. And their little Jeep. Okay. They're just really close friends. Really close, yeah. With the doors off their Jeep. That's like the most fun to me. Just these beach going priests. Anyway, I got really carried away with this. Yeah, we're like giving them backstories and shit. Anyway. They make the best scones. Of the best. (laughs) So the following day, they take Doretta and the kids to meet Father A. Ron had to work and would join them later. And they get to this super secret location, right? A Hardy's restaurant. And there he is. Not dressed like a priest, but giving off the aura of one. And as she shakes the red, as he shakes the redder's hand, he says, "I look like Father Karras, don't I? Everyone tells me that." Father Karras was the priest from The Exorcist. Okay. Yeah. And, and this l- is this is Father A. This is Father A. Yeah. This is the big cheese. Like this is. Yeah. 
The yeah, yeah. Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Oh, and a little side note here. The Exorcist 3 is on Shudder at the minute. Oh, yeah. Highly recommend. Things. Oh, Highly you saw recommend. it. I watched it, yeah, one day. I think, like, I had it on the background while I was at work. Yeah. And I was blown away. It was a really good movie. Yeah, and the newest Harry Potter is coming. I think it's going to be, like, an interview thing. But, well, you know what? You might be right because they were showing scenes of the old movies. Yeah, I think that's what yeah. it is, like a recap. Either way, Damn I'm, here it. For it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. All right. So I'm not going to lie to you all. I thought this was going to be a pretty cookie cutter. Priest shows up. He's a dickhead, but he saves the day. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah type story. <laughs> but Father A is first of a few possible disappointments in this story. Oh, that sucks. Now, I say disappointment, but. I guess it depends on which way you look at it. Like, if you want the priest to be the hero, that's fine. I kind of thought the story takes a really refreshing turn, as I was telling you, like, the other day. Okay. But, so they they meet with Father A anyway, and he spoke for hours with them at this Hardy's restaurant, grilling Doretta and the kids, asking them repeatedly if they'd participated in any devil-worshipping or satanic rituals of late. And he also went on at length telling them like how amazing he was and how many times he had saved the souls from the grip of the devil himself and all this. All this exorcist crap. (laughs) (laughs) No, but he was just like, you know, I don't like people who talk highly of themselves anyway, in that sense. Like I have self-respect for myself, but I'm not going to walk in somewhere and go, well, I'm the best electrician or guitar player or anything. Like, do you know what I mean? That's not my... And when somebody else is like that, I immediately don't like them. But he told Doretta that he had to be careful and make sure that she was being honest because she could be a witch. And a witch had cursed him before, you see. And for many nights, he would wake up in agony and no doctors could find anything wrong with him. But then this witch just happened to have the phone number for the archbishop and called the archbishop one night and told him, I put the curse on Father A and quote, his pain will end because there will be a sacrifice tonight. And she then went and stole a baby from a family and killed the baby. And then Father A felt fine afterwards. How the fuck did that go down? Well, I mean, the priest is obviously more important than the baby. Yeah, that's what I was like. Why would she... So, so why would she put the curse on and right then, and they'd be yeah. like oh shit you know what never mind anybody got a, a baby yeah i emailed that one to the wrong person i was meant to go to father a1 at gmail.com <laughs> <laughs> so father john and father jeff were outraged and just plain embarrassed by this guy oh wow yeah from the sounds of things they were both just like scarlet yeah like they literally said we can't believe everything that he is saying like even though they're were they starting to to regret their decision of involving him well it wasn't their decision in the first place if you remember from the last one no so they (laughs) they had reached out because they reached out to their bishop saying hey this house like this family are really going through oh so the bishop was the one that assigned them yeah but it was lorraine warren who put in the good word now, in good faith, put in a, a word with the Archbishop saying, hey, this is a really severe case. Can we get this, like, fast-tracked? Oh. So that's how Father Ray got involved I see. in the first place. 
She Father didn't John. name drop Father A, though. I don't think so. I think Okay. She'll I don't just... know, honestly. She just said we need to get this sorted out for them. I see. Okay. And her plan was to come in and visit and all that, but her mom actually died in the meantime. Oh, that's right. So the Warrens never made it down. Okay. In the meantime, uh, Father John and Jeff were like the gophers for mm-hmm. Father A. So when they left this meeting, Father A told them that he would arrange to have a medical doctor and a psychologist on site for the exorcism. And he would have all these people flown in, like specialist people that he had known and like could trust. And they would fight off whatever was in this house. And he assured them that it, it might be a tough fight, but they would all get through it. They parted ways. Father A drove off one way and the family and Father John and Jeff headed back to Madison. And that was the last time they ever saw Father A. What? Yeah. They got a call the next day from Father John to say that the church had pulled the plug on the whole thing because of Stephen's car accident. The death of the young man put a spanner in the works because they feared the story would get out if they, if like the church feared the story would get out that they were involved in this case. And so they just said, sorry, like, good luck. We can't do anything for you. So, again, Father John seemed genuinely sorry for all this. And Father A called later that night and made excuses saying, like, oh, don't worry, I'll get this. Like, it's just a... Like a setback. A, yeah, it's, it's all political. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get this taken care of. In the meantime, you go and get your psychological assessment done because I think you might be possessed because you like because of how she presented herself mm-hmm. and stuff and he was basically just still berating her like saying this is all your fault yeah and as well like the one thing that he said to the which kind of signaled that she was possessed was how monotone she was when she spoke but this woman hasn't been sleeping probably in fucking right. months right and as well as that the psychic that she's or the medium dude jordan pitcock that she's like consulting uh-huh He's busy telling her, not it quite so directly, but he's saying, this is your fault. Mm. You need to keep your emotions in check because any sort of negative or upset emotion will feed this entity or whatever it is in the house. Mm-hmm. So she's just being blamed left, right and center. Yeah. She's not sleeping properly and she's still experiencing all this shit. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she's monotone is like she's been beaten into it, basically. You know what I mean? The fact that she's not, like, in a deep depression where she won't get out of bed. Yeah, right. So, anyway, I am going to try. I have these notes really concisely done, but... um, So, I'm going to try and stop going on these little tangents. In the meantime, Ashley had started feeling like she was being bitten and attacked. Like, Oof. before, remember, she was, like, um, yeah. like, spasming on the ground. Oh, yeah, yeah. Only now she specifically said it felt like a cat biting her. Weird. Yeah, right. So, like, Matt, Max bites me all the time when we're playing and shit. Like, that's, that hurts. Mm-hmm. And you can tell the difference between that and, like, a fucking insect bite. You know what I mean? That's why I'm terrified of him. Mm. Stephen was clearly still suffering from the shock of the crash that he had had the night before. Yeah. All of this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Another reason why the why Doretta is fucking... Um, stress the fuck out yeah and ron had again just completely emotionally withdrawn doretta said it felt like she was naked in a snowstorm and ron was fully dressed and wrapped up standing right next to her not offering any help 
That's ter- that's. It's a really vivid. Uh, it's vivid description. Description, yeah, yeah, yeah. A metaphor, whatever. Whatever the fuck it is, I don't know whether it's her or the the co-writer of the book, but either way, one of them is very good at describing feelings. <laughs> yeah. It was the same with with the description of like the her being a fuck, and I know I mentioned this on the last episode too, but her being uh, an aerial or an antenna and picking up like yeah, random signals. fucking signal. Yeah. yeah. Jordan Pickoff the guy who we were just speaking about, he was the psychic that Doretta's sister Nancy had found in the phone book. He said, like, fuck the church. I'll gather some people and we'll come to the house on Sunday and perform a lay exorcism, which is basically just an unsanctioned exorcism carried out by regular people. Like, okay. you or I could do it if we wanted to. Yeah. You still read all the same scripture and whatnot. Yeah, we're just not priests. Yeah, exactly. So, Doretta was like, look, I, ca- I haven't got that much money like to pay all these people to come in he's like no no no, don't worry about it i'll just charge you for the cost of materials so bibles and candles for him and two other people 250 dollars should cover it the fuck yeah which is 500 dollars in today's money <laughs> for bibles yeah for like i think three bibles is all he needed you know what i mean or like, okay why didn't this, he go this get them printed guy out? is a fucking charlatan i'm convinced he has his good his good like points but then when I read that, I was like, oh, like, because the whole time he's like, don't worry, I'll do you the favor. Just give me $250. Like, yeah, no, he's, he's, he's crap. He's, he's a turd. He's a polished turd. <laughs> so, and to be honest, this exorcism is also maybe not a disappointment, but it's very uneventful as they tend to be mm-hmm. specifically in these stories. Like I'm not talking about the born again, Christian mass exorcism things where people are like talking in tongues and stuff but specifically in these stories that we have read in the past like where it is just a genuine family who are going through something when they do get outside help in everything seems to just kind of go quiet yeah it always like thinking back to the demon of brownsville road Mm -hmm. when the entity or spirit or energy or whatever would just like hide out of the way and they would do their little ritual and it might be quiet for a few days and then it would all just kick off again, like stronger than ever. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they performed the ritual outside the house and in different areas within. And then they finished up with one more at the apartment that the family were actually staying at in Kent, I believe. And they did all see like some weird glowing lights briefly, like they had seen previously, but everybody saw them. But that was it. Nothing, nothing fucking hectic. And everything was quiet for a few days afterwards. And then one evening... As Doretta and Ron were lying in bed, they heard the scratching in the attic. The attic of the apartment, not the house. They weren't living in the house. They were still staying in the apartment. Mm -hmm. So they lay there listening when they heard Stephen and Ashley start talking. And then suddenly Stephen says, Dad, is that you? And then Doretta and Ron obviously are in the bed. They get up and they run over to Stephen's room. And Stephen's sitting up in his bed and he said he had seen a man in overalls and a straw hat standing at the door of his room. Big man. That's why he thought it was Ron. So the exorcism hadn't worked. And obviously they were no longer able to deny that it seemed like this thing, whatever it was, was following them. Mm -hmm. So when Doretta went to Jordan's office next, she told him what had happened. And he told her, look, it's a rare thing for one exorcism to do the job, which again seems to be the case in these stories. But then he steered the conversation away from the exorcism. He started talking about how much of a burden Ron was. 
and told her that she was weak for staying married to someone who wasn't brave enough to fight this thing with her. He was dragging her down with all this negativity and shutting it out. And apparently this wasn't the first time he had spoken like this to Doretta, but it was certainly the last. She flipped at him and told him that he had no right to be meddling in their relationship like that. It was already a strained relationship with everything that was going on. And this move was just sleazy, Mm -hmm. you know? And then it made me wonder about his friend, Terry, that he had introduced Doretta to Mm -hmm. when they first met. And he was like, oh, this woman, Terry, had been in a very similar situation to yours. Her husband didn't believe her. And I took her under my wing and helped her, you know, expand her psychic gifts and stuff like that. Now, I don't know whether that lady left her husband or not. And like, I'm not doubting that she did have the psychic abilities and I'm sure he helped her. But it almost seemed like he was trying to indoctrinate them. You know what I mean? Like isolate them. Like he's no good for you. Like come in, come with me. I'll look after you. I'll help you expand. Blah, blah, blah. Like a cult leader. Like a cult leader. Yeah. And as if he was trying to get his own little following. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was an extreme assumption. Yeah. But that's definitely how it felt as I was reading it. Yeah. Wait, and did did Doretta ever meet Terry? Yeah, D- Terry was oh, yeah, yeah, there yeah. at the, the um, first time. Okay, she did, okay. Yeah, and she had been to the house a few times. Okay, cool. But in that way, then I was like, is Terry like the Jelaine Maxwell of, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like somebody yeah. to relate to and stuff. Anyway, I'm, that was a whole different kettle of fish I was opening up there, I felt like. Yeah. So Jordan did perform another exorcism. And nothing too crazy happened. But Doretta had made up her mind. They were moving back to Louisville. Madison was where the house was. Mm-hmm. Kent was where the apartment was that they were staying. But now they're moving back to Louisville and that's that. I don't know how they managed it. I know Rom worked 12-hour days for the Kentucky Electrical Company. So I'm sure he was making a decent amount of money. But like, I don't think Doretta was working at this point And they were still raising Stephen and Ashley and housing them, feeding them and stuff. But somehow they found like a nice townhouse style apartment in a really nice complex that had all the amenities, swimming pools, the whole lot for $800 a month. And they were just going to lock up the house in Madison, keep paying the mortgage and all that until they figured out whether it was time to sell it or do whatever. They felt that this was their only option. So right now they're basically paying two mortgages. But... Sad. Uh, yeah, it is sad. But again, it's like, oh, well, this is a lovely new building. Like, nothing can go wrong here because everything, like, look at this fresh, fresh plaster. New. Yeah, you know? Yeah. The paint doesn't melt off it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if it does, we can just call the landlord. So they were to move in in January of 1993. And the thoughts of the move seemed to bring a very positive attitude toward the whole family. And the only thing noteworthy that happened. Remember, like at the start of this episode, it was November. So now it's Christmas time coming up to January. That's this insanity. How fast everything is happening. I know. So shortly after the second exorcism and in the lead up to Christmas, Doretta just began to glow one day. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So first, the car had broken down conveniently in front of their house as they were driving from their apartment. Mm -hmm. So... Doretta had nowhere else to go and the phone was in there. So she pulled the car in and walked up to the house to call a taxi. And she sat there waiting. Apparently the taxi never showed up 
And eventually she just got back into the car and it drove fine. So just another weird fucking experience. So anyway, while in the house, Ashley told her that she had light coming from her head. And Doretta was just like, oh, whatever. It's just the trick of the light. Like, you know, Ashley is still only, I think, five at this point, maybe six. But then that evening, Ron saw it as they were eating dinner. He was just like, holy shit. Whoa. (laughs) And so she went into the bathroom looked in the mirror and said it looked like a smoky translucent glow floating around three inches all around her. Stephen came home and she was like, do you notice anything weird about me? And he said it was her aura. Now, Stephen had kind of gone pretty wholeheartedly with Jordan Pickoff's routine. Mm -hmm. So straight away, he was like, oh, that's your aura. Obviously, now you can just see it. So they took it as a good sign because as well, it was like a nice fucking warm light you know and like most things that happened it was gone the next day without a trace so they moved into the new place and Doretta just wanted to start fresh forget about everything that had happened Stephen however had just gone through a very traumatic accident two months ago and it was really weighing on him he was losing weight and he was visibly distraught but he didn't want to talk about it anytime they brought it up he would just like say no I'm fine but then he would occasionally say odd things like, do you think that dude, He they said, they mentioned the guy's name. I, I just didn't take it down. But he'd be like, do you think the guy that died is a ghost now? Or do you think he's gone to heaven? You know what I mean? So it was clearly playing on his mind. Mm-hmm. And they were still seeing Jordan at this time because Stephen and him had built up this kind of relationship. They would go for healing sessions and just like general counseling. But in a very refreshing move, Again, this is a very refreshing episode, I feel like. Ron decided it was time to get him the help he needed, and they brought him to a psychiatric hospital. They very hesitantly told the doctors and staff everything that had been happening. They were just completely honest. And the hospital staff accepted their story, totally non-judgmental manner. And they just said, don't worry about it. We've had this kind of thing before. Like, you brought him to the right place. We'll get him the help that he needs. And they did. Like, it it really worked wonders for him. And they didn't call them fucking weirdos or lunatics or anything. Meanwhile, Ashley was suffering from just terrible nightmares still. And she was also talking about seeing shadows moving around her room at night. One in particular was the shadow of a two-headed monster. Doretta called up the University of Kentucky Psychology Department, who, again answered her questions very honestly and helpfully. And this time she asked for the name of the best child psychologist around. And they gave it to her and they got her in. So they literally had done everything they could at this point. Ashley's with the best child psychologist in town. Stephen's getting psychiatric help from the hospital. And the new apartment was all lovely and modern. All the amenities like swimming pool and shit. In the nice part of town, they were literally paying double the rent than an apartment that Doretta had originally looked at because Ron was like, look, if I'm moving again, we're at least going to live in a nice place. So it was bougie as well, you know? And uh, things were finally looking up for old Gil, you know? Yeah, love bougie. So Doretta walked into her bedroom one morning in the springtime of 1993 and found her favorite earring lying in the middle of the bed. She thought, that's strange, whatever. She picked it up and she put it back in the box where she normally kept it and found the matching earring still in the box. 
she had lost one of the pair at some point over the last two years before they moved to Kent before they moved back to Louisville she had lost this earring huh and suddenly it just turned up oh so she went to the box thinking that it was the one that she had already had yeah mm. she wasn't just like pulling a George Michael with the one earring <laughs> so the TV occasion Christmas um, I fucking love Christmas song. <laughs> so the TV occasionally turned itself on and off. Mm-hmm. A mirror that had been hung on the wall fell one day, but it didn't just fall. The brackets looked like they had been ripped out of the wall. Cracks appeared in the walls of this new apartment and they heard scratching behind the drywall. The cat would wake up suddenly and just stare at the ceiling or an empty corner. And they would come home and find furniture tipped over. Shit would be knocked off tables, which could be the cat. And (laughs) shelves, or tables and shelves. And the place would just be a mess in general. Ashley was becoming increasingly moody and quick to snap. Quote, one minute she would seem genuinely afraid of the shadows that she saw. And the next she would be calmly watching television. Sometimes, while eating dinner or playing in the living room, She would suddenly point in one direction and say, They're watching us. Creepy little bitch, I'm sorry. It took her a long time to start opening up to her psychologist. But eventually, she was telling her how much she missed her best friends, Erica and Kendra, who were Kelly's kids, Mm -hmm. who were Doretta's friends. Or Kelly was Doretta's friend. And she said that how sad she was that she had to leave her home and the little girl. Oh, with no mom. With no mom, yeah. She told the psychologist that the little girl's name was Lisa, but she had told her parents the whole time that she didn't know the little girl's name or anything about her other than the fact that she was the little girl who plays in her room with no mommy and she lives in the attic. But she, when she told the child psychologist, it was just like casually, conversationally, yeah, like Lisa, and the little girl that plays in my room, that dead girl. <laughs> so she was making progress and now they were learning small things as they were going along about you know lisa and ashley's seventh birthday was coming up on may 3rd so they invited some friends and family over and got balloons all that good stuff they were trying to make a big to-do out of it because she was so upset and out of her element and they also invited kelly and her two daughters up from madison for a sleepover so after everyone went to bed kelly and doretta had a good catch-up they hadn't been able to see each other really properly for months because they had moved like i think louisville and madison are 60 miles away and as the red is filling kelly in on everything that had been going on like the priests and shit like that some of the balloons just suddenly descended from the ceiling like as she said something along the lines of oh this is nothing to do with god you know because they were kind of laughing about how the priest just like fucking fucked off yeah they seemed to have a good sense of humor but yeah as she said that like four or five of these helium-filled balloons just dropped. That's terrifying. And floated across the room and just kind of hovered around Doretta's head. That's terrifying. I Yeah, I totally agree. They thought it was hilarious. Oh, my God. And They're the people that watch horror movies and laugh. I will never understand those people. <laughs> yeah, they were just like the comedic timing of the balloons losing their helium is just perfect. (laughs) Like, this is hilarious. But then they heard a clicking sound. 
as they're laughing between guffaws and it was the lid of the VHS player across the room. The machine just started rewinding itself with no tape in it. The fuck? Yeah. So Kelly's looking at it and she kind of tilts her head a little bit and she realized that it's not even plugged in mm. and it's going full fucking whirl. <laughs> <laughs> Special effects this time. And as Doretta went to answer her, she was cut off by a piercing scream, which seemed to come from their balcony. The fuck? A banshee, Doretta concluded, even though she didn't really know what a banshee was. Mm -hmm. But they ran to the balcony and the screaming was still going, but it was coming from a little wooded area right behind the apartment building. They couldn't see anything. But they heard it making its way through the bushes and trees. Whoa. They said it moved faster than any human or animal possibly could. Like it just was gone. And it reminds me of the thing from Lost. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But yeah, still screaming and just moving. So naturally they were like, oh, that was weird. Okay. <laughs> Sat back down. They're trying to relax. And then the letterbox in the front door just starts flapping. Yeah. Which is like a fucking jarring sound at the best of times. But yeah. not like in the middle of the night. And it's just that slamming open and shut. And Doretta again is like, oh, it's probably just somebody opens the door. Nothing there. And the thing keeps going. Yeah. At that, at this point, Kelly's pissed because she thinks Doretta has just lied to her about her whole ordeal being over. But I think this was the first wholly undeniable thing that had happened. Like certainly the first episode, you know what I mean? Since they had moved. Yeah. All these other little things were probably coming in and dribs and drabs. And like enough that she could just deny it or brush it off. But in the days following this experience, Ashley became really sick with a bad tummy bug. Doretta brought her to the hospital and the doctors told her that she just had to let it run its course. Like, don't worry, just keep her hydrated, whatever. Yeah. But Doretta had looked up the definition of Banshee in the dictionary. And assuming it was the Merriam-Webster dictionary, because that's the one that you guys use, right? Mm-hmm. That would have told her that a banshee is a female spirit in Gaelic folklore whose appearance or wailing warns a family that one of them will soon die. So the red is convinced this is it. Yeah. Like her, her little girl's going to die. So she said, right, that's it. I'm leaving this apartment. I'm taking Ashley and we're going to go live with my grandfather. And Ron had just come home from work. He's like, this is like, you're, this is fucking ridiculous. I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs> and Dorette is like well fuck you then and she's like frantically packing and Ashley comes in she's like hey I'm feeling better like I just want to go sit outside and play so Dorette says fine but you have to stay on the steps so I'm going to read right from the book right now no more than five or six minutes had passed when I heard the door open I looked around and saw Ashley falling forward into the apartment there was blood on her neck and shirt and she was struggling to breathe. I picked her up and ran toward the kitchen, screaming for Ron to wake up. Ashley's throat looked as though it had been cut from one side to another. Oh my god. I doused her with water and could see the cut was not that deep. Ron came into the kitchen, looked at her neck and said, what happened? I don't know, daddy. Tell me what happened, Ashley. Between sobs and gasps, she finally told us that she had hung from a tree. What? Ron took off outside and I changed Ashley's shirt and got her ready to go to the hospital. 
Ron went to a large tree in the middle of the courtyard and found a slender nylon cord dangling from one of the branches. The end was cleanly severed, as if by a knife. Are you that little girl's father? asked the man who had come from another apartment. Yeah, Ron said. Did you see what happened here? Sort of, the man said. He turned and pointed to an apartment near the tree. I was in here watching television and had the balcony doors open. I heard something that sounded like a cat scream. I walked over to the door and looked out and I saw this long hair swinging from the tree. I realised it was a little kid hanging out there. I jumped off the balcony and yelled for my wife to bring a knife. I lifted the little girl up to take the pressure off her neck and tried to untangle the rope, but I couldn't even get my finger underneath it. I've ever seen. Ron asked, What do you mean? I'm not just talking about a cord wrapped around a kid's neck. I'm talking about a cord wrapped around and around and around the neck. My wife came out with a knife and I cut the kid loose. Was anybody else out here? Nah, the courtyard was empty. Nobody else around. Whoa. Yeah. So they rushed her to the hospital, obviously. Yeah. And the nurses and doctors were super concerned and they had to get child protective services involved. Yeah, naturally. Naturally, yeah. But actually, no matter how like nice the nurses were or like stern the nurses were, she genuinely seemed to have no recollection. Eventually, she just told the nurse she was playing in the tree and she got tangled up in the rope. But even at that, it sounded like she just wanted the nurses to leave her alone. Like she didn't know what happened. Yeah. They were given the all clear to take her home and they were told to bring her back in like a week's time just to check in. But at six o'clock the following morning, they get a call from one of the doctors. Don't be alarmed, but you need to bring Ashley back to the hospital straight away and be careful when you're moving her because I think her neck might be broken. (gasps) They re-examined her, gave her all the tests again, and determined that the neck was fine. It was just blood showing up in the previous x-ray. That looked like it could have been a fracture, and they were just, you know, being extra cautious. But all in all, the doctors were relieved and in good spirits, like, that they were able to give her another all clear. But they did tell Doretta that she was going to need to buy some scarves for Ashley. Because she was going to have some gnarly scars and they were going to stick around for years. Oh, wow. Yeah. They should fade in time, but But like they will be dry. How? If it's not, if it wasn't that deep? So, my personal experience here, um, my granddad had a friend who, when they were kids, they were all standing in the woods smoking cigarette. One cigarette between like four or five of them. And this one guy took two drags and that was a big no-no. So one of the other kids was like, they're going to have to hang him. Like they did like a whole little mini court thing. Mm -hmm. And it was just a joke, but it went a little bit too far. And they did tie a noose around his neck and they kicked the chair out from under him. They managed to save him, thankfully, and nothing too seriously happened. But my granddad will still say to this day, when he sees that guy, he still has the scars around his neck. Mm. So I don't know whether it's just like, that's a pretty thin area. You know what I mean? Your throat is very, so maybe that's why. I honestly don't know. Mm. But that dude's scars lasted like 50, 60 years. Mm -hmm. But guess what? Chicken butt. Within a week, they were practically gone. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, like her bruises. Like the bruises, like fucking everything. Just gone. So Doretta's granddaughter. And now they're like stuck with all these scarves. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And Doretta hates scarves. Hates scarves. (laughs) 
But no, uh, Doretta's granddad had actually gotten sick, so they were, were going back to the hospital to visit him mm-hmm. the following week. They So they brought her down to the doctors and nurses that had treated her. And she was like, look. And they were... One of the nurses genuinely asked, had she been taken to a faith healer? Because it was the only thing that she could think would actually do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Makes me question that nurse. <laughs> yeah, like, why didn't she go to, like, oh, plastic surgery, maybe? Yeah. You know, or something like that. First response is faith healer. Yeah. Did you get washed in the Holy River? Um, <laughs> on May 26th, they officially moved out of the apartment, put all their stuff in storage, and moved in with the Redder's grandfather. I, in, in my adult stress brain, I'm just thinking, like, that's another broken lease, surely. Yeah. And storage fees for the locker i know Mm -hmm. they're cheaper but like still like another thing to be paying as they were moving their stuff out stephen was carrying a chest of drawers down the stairs when he suddenly fell and like really hurt himself like his his legs were all bruised up and shit Mm. but he actually said that it felt like something pulled his legs out from under him and as they all stood there at the top of the stairs like i guess examining his bruises they could smell the foul odor that used to follow them around the house Mm. now my notes for the grandfather are simply grandpa dash cantankerous cunt oh so yeah needless to say good word uh, he was the epitome of cranky old bastard like oh cantankerous i mean cantank yeah yeah i know yeah anyway ham bone (laughs) all these ham bones in my house um So needless to say, it wasn't long before they were thinking about biting the bullet and just moving back to their own house again. So they decided... That's saying something. Yeah, exactly, right? So they decided they'd test the waters out and be sensible about it. And Doretta and Ron were going to spend the night in the empty house, just the two of them, armed with sage, candles, and a video camera. And they set out back to Madison. Now they slept on a mattress in the living room with only candles for light because the house didn't even have the electricity turned on at this point. And they slept sound enough because they're fucking psychos. I can't imagine doing this like by candlelight. And the only thing that woke them up throughout the night was the noise of the camera turning itself off when it must have ran out of tape. And then a random pop, like a light bulb popping, Mm -hmm. also woke them up. But that was it. Upon reviewing the tape, Doretta found that there was like a whole lot of nothing, really. Uh, she had set it up for uh, like an hour in Ashley's room because that was like the epicenter of all this. And then they left the house and left it running for completely on its own. They couldn't like contaminate evidence or anything. And when she reviewed it, there was literally nothing in, in that room. And then in the sitting room, again, there was nothing. But the sound of something tapping on the camera itself. Mm-hmm. And then the camera refocusing a few times. And then it slowly panned from one side to the other. Oh, my God. All the while showing the two of them asleep on the mattress. Uh, of all the things in this, this whole fucking story, this this is what gets me. I'm uh, like, oh, no. No, because it calls back to those uh, paranormal activities. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe that's specifically uh, why it gets me. And, and those, that, those are my like first forays into like... Um, found footage yeah, yeah. and uh, that's why i like them so much because those really fucking scared me me too they were classic horror movies we need to rewatch them i don't care so much for like the later sequels but 
the original ones were. Well, they were solid. revolutionary at the yeah. time. I feel like because I, I think that's literally the start of found footage, right? Uh, we no, I mean like the, the Blair Witch and stuff had been out, but it was a very specific niche. Yeah, and like no. The security camera in no. the house and stuff. Yeah, no, that's what I'm talking about. Like the movement of found footage happened when we were growing up. Yes, it started with Blair Witch, but there was nothing like that before. Oh, then. sorry, you sorry. Understand? I see. Yeah, I thought you meant the Paranormal Activity movie. No, no, no. All right, just anyway. the found footage. I agree, though. Situation. It's my favorite. Probably yeah. my favorite type of horror movie. Yeah, me too. Either way, after ten days of living with Grandpa, they decided they'd rather take their chances back at the house. So, first, Doretta wanted to sage the place again. And when she got there, the, the hallway smelled strongly of, like, sweet perfume and rose petals, which was quite common. Specifically in Ashley's room, that was, like, it always smelled like that. It wasn't necessarily a good thing, though. Yeah, that was and, the one that was, the room that was the worst. Yeah, exactly. And again, Ashley's room was like a fridge, and Doretta saw just the barest movement of a shadow on the wall. But as she walked into Ashley's room, she suddenly became dizzy and sleepy to the point where Ron had to literally drag her out of there. But still, they were like, nah, fuck it, we'll move in tomorrow anyway. Anything is better than living with the granda. Wild. But the house had other plans, as always. So Ron and Stephen were in the truck on their way over to the house. The truck was loaded full of all their stuff and the tire blew out. Mm-hmm. So they had to unload all the stuff on the side of the road change the tire, reload everything, and then finally get onto the house. And then when they got to the house, they found that the water heater was actually busted. And so they would have to get that fixed before they moved in. And that was going to take like a week. So Doretta and Ashley stayed with Marilee for the week. And Stephen and Ron stayed in the house to fix it up. It followed Doretta to Marilee's house. Oh. Like, just enough so that she knew it was there. Like, she went to turn on the light in the bathroom one day. And the light bulb popped. And there was that sickly sweet smell of rose petals and perfume again. While she was at Mary Lee's, were did Ron and Stephen have like weird uh, experiences? I don't think so. Um, honestly, like not a whole lot was said, but it was just like just enough for her to know that it was still there, mm-hmm. you know. But at this point, she was getting so sick of it that like when that happened, she was like, "Oh well, you might have followed me here, but guess fucking what? You're gonna have to." keep moving because we're going back next week like Like, this was her attitude by at this point yeah your brain needs support and new ollie brainy chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health made with scientifically backed ingredients like thai ginger l-theanine and caffeine brainy chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus stay chill or get energized be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Marilee asked her, like, what happened to all those people that she wrote letters to? Because, remember, she had gone through the books, like, skipped straight to, like, the biblio, bibliographies uh-huh. and appendices of these paranormal books. And written letters. I think I mentioned that last week. I think so. Yeah. Doretta said like she had never heard back from them. And Marilee was like, don't call them. Like, fuck it. Like, what have you got to lose? So she did. Except the ghost. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And eventually she got a hold of a retired doctor named William Rowe from Georgia. Do we like William Rowe? 
We do. We do. Okay. So short for William Roll is Billy Roll. Billy Roll is a type of ham with different colours. A processed meat rolled into the shape of a face. And also like a jelly roll. Well, it was, it was and still remains a serious lunchbox staple in Irish packed lunches. What's it called? Billy Roll. Billy Roll. So from here on out, I am only referring to this well-educated doctor as Billy Roll. And I will include a picture of Billy Roll in the Instagram because everybody needs to know what this horrendous processed meat looks like. Oh, my God. Yeah, it literally, it, it's a meat clown. That's what the person described it as what online. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it used to be such a treat to get Billy Roll. Like, so some of the faces are clowns. Some look like a little bear. I think, like, they couldn't use the actual Billy Roll name, so they called it Billy Bear Roll. Um, And when my mom used to work in oh the... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. When my mom used to work in the shop, we would go shopping, and she would know the guy behind the deli, so he would, like, just hand me a slice of Billy Roll... And I would just walk around the shop eating this meat. Meat clown. Dirty child hands. Meat clown. Wow. Yeah, it's pork. It probably was pork at some point. Uh, who knows what it is now. Um, so it's 66% pork. The others. First <laughs> stuff is a lot of other stuff that isn't meat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's That's so what grows weird. Irish kids big and strong. <laughs> anyway says Americans have just discovered Billy Roll and they're horrified. <laughs> really, Americans? Really? I mean, you know what I'd like to do is test out like the quality of spam compared to Billy Roll hmm. and see which is better. Probably neither. So anyway, <laughs> oh my God. Billy Roll is a good guy, though. And he convinces Doretta to let him shop for a TV company to foot the bill and have him fly a team of like well-educated people out to check the place out. Now, what I like about Billy Roll is not just the flavor of the fond memories, <laughs> but his extremely scientific yet open-minded approach to paranormal occurrences or activity. He has many theories, which like, yeah, you know, I've read before, like touched on here and there, like in the Black Monk of Pontefract, like the energy ball and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And, a lot of the theories could be applied to any point of this story, but there's always, they always just fall short somewhere. Yeah. Where Doretta could go, but then why did this happen? If yeah, that's yeah. the reason. And of course. he's saying like, hey, it's a working theory. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We're just trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And again, like everybody's own personal experiences are so unique anyway. But he did manage to find funding through the TV show Sightings. Did you used to watch Sightings when no. you were young? So it was on Fox. That's all I know. Um, and they would want to head over pretty soon and they would also foot the bill for Patricia Hayes from the Delphi School of Inner Sense Development in Georgia interesting yeah and two of her colleagues from the Delphi College of Parapsychology they're basically psychics with college level training nice in their field like you know what I mean yeah it's pretty sick yeah so Billy Roll basically said like I don't believe in necessarily ghosts and spirits and stuff like that but these psychics that i'm going to use and that we're going to help on this case are spiritually based psychics he's like they believe in the afterlife and all that stuff i don't but having them around certainly helps the activity do you know what i mean interesting like that's he understands that there's something there he just doesn't exactly know what it is yeah and he's open about that too so the big day arrives and all the crew show up 
and the family spend the whole day prior to filming chatting with Billy Roll and giving him as much information as possible. I the- cannot now that I know what the fuck <laughs> a Billy Roll is. Imagine like a doctor's like long white gown with the Billy Roll head. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining like the actual roll because it's looking up, not like a slice of it. It's just like one of these. And yeah. Like, yeah. So I'm just and like, believe it or not, I'm sitting here wondering why the fuck in the years that i've known you have you not told me about fucking billy rolls oh, because it's absolute garbage <laughs> that's what, i haven't eaten it in like long long like years and years i feel like it's been you went too long telling me about billy rolls and what is it the whale cakes whale yeah, cakes yeah the ones that your mom always gets oh, you no the caterpillar cakes Caterpillar Colin cake. the Caterpillar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, again, this is for a whole different show. But the family spent the whole day uh, prior to filming with Billy Roll and giving him as much information as possible. Doretta was telling him, and she was just like, she completely opened up to him and told him all the shit that, had, that she had gone through, like as a child and all. And the producer was a nice enough guy. His name was Joe, Joe something. I can't remember. Joe but, Mama. Uh, <laughs> got a chuckle out of you (laughs) but at the end of the day this guy was there to get footage of the paranormal on camera so he did ask the redder for tips on how to provoke it he's like whatever this thing is in the house how do we make it happen okay and basically he planned on just pulling a zach bagans before zach bagans even Oh, was man. Zach Baganzing. Before it was trademarked as Zach Baganings. Yeah. <laughs> Baganings. But now, anyway, so Billy Roll told Dora that he had had a very strange, lucid dream the night before filming began. And he was convinced it was a sign telling him to look beneath the house for answers. That's a stretch. Yeah, but only at this point did Doretta tell him about her horrifically detailed vision of the snake charmer killing uh, and disposing of the woman and the little girl through a trapdoor in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said that she was just too scared to check. Yeah, fair enough. And yeah. So she also told him that she felt like this had happened sometime in the 50s or 60s. Like it wasn't, you know, ancient history or anything. Yeah. The three psychics came and they did a reading of the grounds and the house and basically verified everything that Doretta had been experiencing this whole like last four or five years. The little girl only showed up for Patricia, not the two male psychics. And Patricia was able to tell them that the blonde woman was only there to look after the little girl. She's not her mother, but she protects her from the bad man and she won't leave until the little girl is safe. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. After that, they, they performed a sort of seance. More or less, yeah. They all stood around in kind of a semicircle holding hands. So it was like a, a seance, but they weren't, because it was a scientific thing, they didn't call it a seance. But they tried to call out the little girl, at which point Doretta said her whole body just went limp. Mm-hmm. And she could feel something happening from within, like bubbling up within her. And then all of a sudden she felt as though she was a spectator in her own body. Oh. And she could hear her voice say, I'm trapped. I can't go. Whoa. Yeah. And as Patricia was telling her, no, 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 you have to go. Like, it's time to move on now. They suddenly felt the old man's energy enter the room. Like, Uh. the place just changed. Yeah, yeah. 
and Doretta started coughing and choking and they got no more information. Mm-hmm. That was the end of that. As if he had just scared the little girl away. The producer was so determined to see something for himself. But as always, the people who seem to want or demand it the most rarely get what they're looking for. He literally kept the crew there all night long saying, no, 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 we, we got to keep going. We got to keep going. Everybody's exhausted. And at four o'clock in the morning, Doretta kind of snuck away and sat down at a bench in the kitchen because the lights were off and she just needed to fucking the sit space. down for a minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, they, they hadn't like moved all of their furniture into the house yet. Like the house was still empty. Mm-hmm. So she said, I had been there only a couple of minutes staring blankly ahead when the male entity appeared in the doorway across the kitchen. It moved toward me, a dusky, shifting mass of shadow, and angled to my right and stood against the panelled wall. My first reaction was fear. The energy of the room changed, and I knew this thing was capable of hurting people. Then I felt anger and defiance. I'm so sick of you, you son of a bitch, (laughs) I said, barely above a whisper. You've wrecked my life but you're not even brave enough to show yourself to the cameras. As if in response to my insolence, my provocation, the apparition began to glow, to turn from shadow to light. I was alone with this thing and it was responding to me. Mentally, I had my jukes up and waited to see what what its next move was. At that instant, Stephen started to enter the kitchen through the doorway from the living room. I raised my hand, signaling him to stop. He saw the thing glowing against the panelled wall and backed away, motioning at the same time for Craig Heiberger, one of the cameramen. Craig stepped to the door and said, Oh shit. (laughs) He had just come in from outside and did not have a camera with him, but seemed too transfixed by the apparition to think about photographs. The entity was like a ball of energy, translucent and glowing with a kind of pale gas around it. Craig's eyes were bugged out as he stepped toward the wall. It appeared that the entity was reacting to him, or that they were interacting with each other. Suddenly, Joe Day barged into the room with a camera and a bright light, and the entity vanished. Uh, That was the producer, who had just been walking around the house going, come on out, pencil dick and all this shit. (laughs) Really 90s insults he was throwing at her. Come on, ham bone. Yeah. <laughs> Think I'm scared of you, you ham bone. <laughs> but he still refused to fucking leave, even after this. And he interviewed Craig for the segment of the show, which again is fair. But then when it was finally time to leave, he was like, oh, I really have to go pee, like in the bathroom. <laughs> and Doretta was like, tough. Like, what do you want me to do about it? And at that point, he admitted that he was too afraid to go into the bathroom. Or Sorry, he didn't admit, but he just walked out to the backyard and then pissed in the in the garden instead. Yeah. So after all his big talking, yeah. he really was quite scared. Yeah. And over the next couple of days, the sightings crew stuck around and they ran tests and little, experiment, little experiments all around the property. But all they did was prove the scientific theories wrong. So there was no strong magnetic fields or anything. And again, it just left people baffled. They also conducted more interviews. One of the interviewees was Jordan Pitkoff. Oh. Yeah. And 
he did have a lot of experience with the house and the family. But when he got in front of the camera, basically started using terms like there was spirit-like activity here. And like basically given no real concrete answers. Mm -hmm. Like he was playing it down or something. Yeah. Doretta saw red. Oh my God. She more or less started like shouting them out. Like while he was sitting in his like interview chair, <laughs> she got all up in his face and she was saying like, what about the infestations and all the auras and the different spirit attachments that he had been telling her and the family about? Like, what about the person that was trying to get into Ashley's aura and all this shit that she had, that he had her so stressed about and worried? She marched him to the front door and kicked him out nice. in front of the whole crew. Like, Yeah. They moved back into the house after the sightings crew were finished. But I think they were still trying it like temporarily, like a kind of a test run, because they still kept most of their furniture in storage, as far as I know. But the sightings show itself was a really good, just a really good experience for them all around. It was like the start of a new direction for this, I guess, part of their lives or whatever. Even before it had aired, it had gotten Doretta connected with a previous tenant of the house, Georgia Def Georgia Je Georgia Jeffries, who had had her own fair share of experiences while living there. One morning, Georgia was alone in the house with the fire going like normal, and suddenly the place just started filling up with smoke, so fast that she actually passed out. And luckily, her little dog managed to wake her up, and she was able to pull herself to the phone and call her daughter for help. I guess she wasn't thinking straight and didn't call 911, but somehow the damper in the chimney had just closed itself. And as a result, she had almost died from smoke inhalation. Mm -hmm. And when her daughter got there, again, I don't know why they didn't call the fire ambulance or the, the fire brigade, but when the daughter got there, she was able to just lift it back up with whatever they used, like the, the lever or whatever. It had worked perfectly before. And continued to work perfectly fine afterwards. So something seemed to have closed it intentionally. Yeah. And Georgia also knew the woman who lived in the house before she did. A lady who died in the house. She had supposedly taken her own life by overdosing on pills in the bathtub. She was not the blonde woman. But her name was Caroline Kersey. CK. Oh. Yeah, I was like, ching, ding, 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 ding. Oh. <laughs> but like I said, she was not the blonde woman that Doretta had been seeing. But apparently Caroline's father-in-law had also passed away in the house. And it was said that she, that Caroline treated him very poorly. Hmm. I don't know what that really has to do with anything, but I think it was just a negative. Or if it's even true. Or if it's, yeah, exactly. Could have been hearsay. Mm -hmm. But it was definitely a solid result on the ck initial mm -hmm. they changed their names for the episode of sightings because you know they didn't want people finding out where they lived and they kept the name of the town anonymous but they didn't mask their faces or their voices so it just came up as i think the king family is what they used but the lo the like the locals recognized them obviously and knew the house even though sightings agreed that they wouldn't use any outside exterior footage interesting yeah but either way the locals were like oh my god that's fucking ron and doretta and i think word had started to get out that the sightings crew were even in town you know yeah 
So they were worried about like, you know, small town backlash. But everyone was totally respectful and almost understanding. Like it was a really positive thing. Like now they were like out with this secret. Mm -hmm. So even that in itself was like a huge weight lifted off their shoulders. Yeah. They had applied for an equity loan between filming and the release of their episode. And they were had been told it was pre-approved. They were just given the time to come into the bank to sign for the for the actual money. And it turns out this is because they were so broke from... Yeah, all the moving. All the moving, yeah. But the, inter- the appointment at the bank was for the day after the episode aired. And at the last minute, the bank revoked the loan. Reason being, the house was haunted. Oh, uh, what? Yep, that's literally what the the bank person told him. So that was the only negative to come out of like pretty huge negative. It is a pretty huge negative. Yeah. But for the most part, there was a lot of positive uh, outcomes from it. Billy Roll kept in touch with Doretta too. And he encouraged her to think about her newfound gifts as just another sense or brain function that she needs to learn how to use properly. Because even as a doctor, he felt that this definitely was coming from Doretta. Now, he wasn't blaming her or anything like the church and Jordan Pickoff. But he did tell her that she needs to learn how to try to contain it or or use it or, you know, something. Just learn more about it. And he sent Doretta copies of some of the papers that he had written. Because, again, this man had devoted his life to this stuff. And she included this excerpt in the book, which I will read for you in your ears. Psychic Perception like the familiar senses, may depend on a sense organ adapted to its sensory field. The temporal lobes of the brain may function as a sense organ for psi, which is what they call like all paranormal activity or prophecies or anything out of the ordinary, basically, is psi, PSI. Until recently, however, no sensory field was known that this hypothetical sense organ might respond to. With the recent verification of the existence of gravitational waves, the medium through which they travel, space-time, has also been verified. The temporal lobes seem well adapted to this field because of their orientation to the past. While the familiar senses place the body in space, the temporal lobes place it in time. Space Space-time may also be the medium for psi interactions. Right, now that sounds like a, a fucking mouthful, but... They go on to explain it and kind of break it down into layman's terms. There's a, a whole chunk of this book kind of goes into this, which I, I avoided. Basically, he said, like, this cup here, as we're seeing it, is in the past. Because the present cup is the speed of light at whatever three feet away from my face. So what we are seeing is the cup point zero 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 milliseconds in the past. Same as the way when we see stars in the sky, we're actually seeing something that happened millions or billions of years ago. Interesting. Yeah. That was like, again, very lay people terms, but it worked for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the star thing made more sense to me. Well, it's just a different scale. You know Mm. what I mean? And that's anyway, we're not getting into it. I don't know enough and I feel like I would just lose my mind if I tried to learn. So again, this was just a really refreshing approach to this whole situation and a really refresh, a really refreshing approach to any of these stories that we have even covered. 
you know what I mean? Again, it wasn't just this superhero priest coming in to save the day. It was like, no, 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 let's think about this. Let's step back, take the fear out of it and try and come up with a, a solution or, or an explanation. And he wanted to help Doretta, obviously for his own research purposes too, but genuinely wanted to help her with like different therapies and trying to help her work through her horrific childhood traumas and memories. This didn't mean all activities ceased either. And just a little heads up, get ready for another disappointment. This is just a disappointment episode. One evening, Doretta was writing a letter to Mara Lee. She kind of spaced out trying to think of the right word when suddenly she felt a pressure on her hand and something started writing faster than she was capable of writing and then before she knew it, it had stopped. There was four words written on the page in someone else's handwriting under the bathroom floor. Christ. She told Ron and, you know, normally you could expect him to just be like, ah, yeah, fucking Doretta again. Yeah. yeah, I see ghosts, but they're not real. It's Doretta. And uh, honestly, that is kind of how he felt because mm-hmm. of all the people that were blaming her. He was like, even if I see something, it's actually just her mind power is playing a trick on me. Yeah. Like that was almost the attitude like in the house. But this is a quote from the book. That September, Ron was working on the house putting siding over a window we had boarded up at the urging of the psychics, who believed it was an entryway for spirits. He sensed that someone was watching him, and when he turned around, there stood an attractive young woman with long blonde hair. She had pale, almost translucent skin, and was wearing a peach-coloured dress. Ron thought she had stopped to ask directions. He started to speak to her, and she vanished. Mm. Middle of the day... In the fucking front garden. (laughs) Yeah. And then, not long after that, we hired Greg Jeffries, George's son, to babysit while we were out one evening. When we returned, the house was spotless. Every dish had been washed, every table and shelf dusted, all the floors freshly vacuumed. We had expected Greg to be asleep, but he was still up, still cleaning. With a little prodding, he explained that he had been too frightened to sleep or even to just sit and watch the television. Oh my God. He had crossed the living room toward the bathroom, he said, looked down the the hallway and saw a young, blonde-haired woman in a peach-coloured dress looking back at him. So I I included that just because I thought it was funny that the poor guy was like, I'll just start cleaning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what a strange reaction. Just keep yourself busy, Greg. So they decided to open the trapdoor in the bathroom because I had assumed that the trapdoor had long been closed up and Mm -hmm. like boarded over, but I guess not. And in the crawl space, they found a condom, a fly swatter and the paper wrapper from an electric saw blade. They would start digging the next morning. But that night, Doretta had a dream of a young woman under the house being murdered sexually violated, dismembered, and buried. Then the perpetrator poured concrete over the spot where he had buried her. Now, Doretta had had prophetic dreams before. And remember I told you the dream of her cousin who had died from something wrong with his stomach yeah, when the yeah, following yeah. year it happened? Yeah. As well, when she was a kid, her brother got in a fight with another little boy on the street. 
and Doretta told him there's going to be a man coming to the house with a gun. The following week, that little boy's dad came to the house with a shotgun ready to kill the little brother because he bet up the other kids so badly. You know what I mean? So it really wasn't uncommon. And now it was happening more and more frequently. So she had this dream. And then the next morning, Stephen got to work early, digging away in the crawl space. He made it about two feet down when he came across a hard surface. Oh, shit. Concrete, possibly. Yeah. They decided it would be too much work and they closed up the trap door and forgot what about the it. Fuck? I swear to God. I'm so angry. Call the police. Yeah. Call the police. They'll do it for you. But they were like, you know what? We've we've moved this furniture so many times. <laughs> Literally, that, that was there. It was like, it's just too much work. We can't afford it right now. I mean, Jesus Christ, though. Like, and uh, anyway, so I do. I'm sorry. On behalf of the the Johnson family, I apologize. <laughs> and she did go on to say, like, it still gnaws at her. Like, she's still convinced that there are people buried. Not just there, but there's another spot in the back garden as well. Yeah. Um, And the sightings crew did attempt to dig out there, but I think they just got bored. So Doretta continued to work closely with Billy Roll. And she even spent a couple of weeks at the Delphi school with Patricia Hayes, where she was able to meet like-minded people who were also coming to terms with learning about being mutants from the X-Men Academy. (laughs) But they didn't just try to move things with their minds or like read tea leaves or anything like that either. It was actually a very good, positive, therapeutic environment with a lot of counselors and doctors monitoring all these students and Mm -hmm. offering help because... One very common theme in these in people with these extra capabilities is childhood trauma. So they were prepared for dealing with people who had been through horrific shit in their past. And it really helped her a lot, like a huge amount. And she even managed to convince Ron to go and attend on his own. So originally, Billy Roll and Patricia Hayes, the psychic, brought her down on a kind of a scholarship. Because they knew that the family had no money. They were bled dry. Yeah. But after that, they decided it was so good that they would scrape the money together and send Ron down as well. Interesting. And for him, it was unbelievable. Really? A huge eye-opening experience. Oh, wow. That's good. And yeah, and not only like, regardless of the paranormal activity, on a personal level, like him being able to show love and be honest and stuff like that. Now... When he came back, he was almost too honest. He did confess to having an affair when Doretta thought that he had been and all this extra stuff. And Doretta thought that they were going to break up again because she was like, she actually couldn't handle all the truth. Yeah. But I think as far as I know, they, they worked through it and, you know, it was a lovely, happy ending for the two of them. But the activity never stopped as far as I can tell. They just learned how to handle it and accept it a little bit better. Ashley was still waking up with night terrors and she definitely inherited Doretta's gift of psychic abilities and prophecy. They still had doors slamming randomly. The curtains would move when nobody was there. They would find locked motel room doors open for no reason. And oh yes, they still heard movement, crying and strained muffled voices coming from the attic. Oh my God. And that's it. Did they ever ever move out? I don't know. They stayed there for years. I'm sure by now, like, they probably recovered financially and stuff. 
But as of January 1995, what, seven years after all this began, nine years after all this began, actually, I think, they were still living there. Whatever happened to their town home? That was a rental. Remember, they broke the lease. Oh, shit, yeah. That so, was why they couldn't fucking leave the house in oh. Madison. They literally had no no choice. But it definitely sounded like they had a much better handle on everything at this point. Wow. Yeah. I don't see how, though. You know, like... Because they like, came at it with a scientific approach, it stopped being these scary demons. And so I left a lot out of this because this book in particular... They did a great job at going into, not going into detail on Dr. William Rowell's uh, work because clearly he has done amazing work. But the small bit that they did touch on, like, it was so easy to swallow. You know what I mean? And to go, actually, yeah, I can see why this would happen. Or, you know, and um, as well, like, he personally did, like, uh, transgression therapy or hypnotherapy with Doretta and like dragged out awful awful things that happened to her as a as a kid but it helped her to then go on and deal with these things appropriately rather than boxing it all up and the, one of the possible theories was all this anger was coming from inside and you know mm-hmm. and again like just a more scientific approach to it I guess would make it just a lot more palatable for anyone. So that's all it took. Well, I mean, it was seven or eight years of hardship and her attending a college course and stuff, you know what I mean? But, and they were still going through it and she was still documenting and just trying to get on with it. So I'm assuming that it would naturally sort of peter out like. Yeah. But yeah. Who knows? Anyway, guys, there you go. If if you want to read the book, it's The People in the Attic by Doretta Johnson with Jim Henderson. It, it was. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrifying. Fucking horrific. And there was so much in it that even like as I was trying to wrap it up, I was remembering stuff from the first episode, which seems so long ago because we did take a week off. But I was like, oh, my God, like, do you remember the little doll? Yeah, like. And there's so much more that I just couldn't include, like other people's stories and stuff. Yeah. So maybe we'll touch on it for like an extra. Maybe we can do like a spinoff. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I know the the werewolf series def- definitely lost its followers. <laughs> but I, I really. Feel, oh yeah. Who wants to listen to four weeks of werewolf and lycanthropy? How do you know? Because I can see people. How many people listen every week? Oh, so we we really did lose listeners. Yeah. yeah. But, That's um, so lame because it was a good series. I know. But like even personally, like it's not something that I would <laughs> devote two months of my life to learning, <laughs> which I did. No, but uh, already with this one, I, I saw people coming back. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a good old fashioned ghost story. And I do want to take a break from ghost stories. Might only be for one week, but uh, I want to get stuck into some true crime. So make sure to follow us on Instagram and uh, that's about it. Join our Patreon for as little as $2 a month. Be good to people. Don't be a dick. Yeah. All right, guys. Tune in next week for something else. Yeah. Who knows? Um, 
All right, thanks. Bye. Goodbye. The bougie bitch. Love it. Speaking of Twin Peaks, I gotta go buy bras. That was awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, Max, that's my Aww. fucking knee. He loves you. Yeah, but there's claws. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, like, hey. Yeah. Hey. Fuck, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, yeah, and so Billy Roll. I fucking love Christmas songs. <laughs>